and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people just like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. My guest today is coming to us all the way from Summertown, Tennessee, and I found out that he has been vegetarian longer than I've been vegan. He's vegan now, but he became vegetarian in 1969. I've only been vegan for 43 years. Yesterday actually was my 43 years vegan anniversary. You may not know him by name, but I can tell you, I'm pretty sure you know a lot of the books he's published because many of his authors have already been guests on Chef AJ Live or are upcoming guests. As a matter of fact, he has published two of my all-time favorite books, <laughs> uh, two, actually three of my very favorite doctors, as you know, Dr. McDougall right here, who's been on the show several times, and Dr. Goldhammer and Lyle. So these are his books. And he's going to talk a little bit about what it takes to get a book published. But first, we'd like to hear a little bit about him and his story. Please welcome Bob Hazefell. I think I said it right. <laughs> Close <laughs> enough, for sure. All right. So, um, wow, that's amazing. How did you even know to be vegetarian in 1969? I'm assuming you're like my age or in that range. You don't have to tell me your age, but. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm in my mid-70s. That's where I'm at. Oh, my gosh. So you um, are a little older than me. Nice. <laughs> well, I, you know, we were we were hippies in the late 60s, and we were just trying to figure out how to have a smaller footprint. And we realized that vegetarianism would, would help us in that goal. Uh, we lived, I lived in Massachusetts. I grew up in Massachusetts. And so I lived in the Amherst area in those years. And that was a hot spot for alternatives at that point. So there was a lot of people becoming vegetarians there. Well, you, you, were, you were a hippie And before. we also had, uh, yeah. Well, even before it was cool, I was going to say you were, you know, that song, I was country, but when country wasn't cool, you were vegetarian even yeah. before it was really a thing. Mm -hmm. We had a store at that point. Uh, we sold uh, vegetarian foods in Amherst, Mass, uh, as well as books and, and uh, records, too. Well, who was buying vegetarian food in 1969? I was nine then, and I don't think I ever heard the term at that point. <laughs> well, our friends were. You know, it actually, you know, there was uh, Erewhon in Boston, and that's where we got our stuff every week from them. <clears throat> and so, you know, it, vegetarianism in Boston and Massachusetts in general had, got, had a good start by 1969. Well, you said you were a hippie back then. I th I've met you. I think you still are. <laughs> well, I, yes, I would agree with that. Well, when I saw when I saw that lifestyle, I said, "Well, that's for me." So, tell us about the farm, because you know, now that I think about it, I. I didn't know you personally until I started seeing you with all your books at all the various veg fests. But I remember, you know, Vegan 43 years, I remember ordering books from the farm way back. I remember getting Louise Hagler's book, Tofu Cookery, when it first came out. So I ordered it. You had a catalog. It almost looked like a newspaper back then. Now it's like it's glossy and it's colored. I meant to grab it, but it's over there. So so how did you get started That's in right. pu publishing in general, but really publishing vegan books and being mm -hmm. the first one, like the first tofu cookbook? People didn't even know what tofu was. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, 
I'll give you a few parts to that. We were vegans because we wanted to live lighter on the planet. We wanted to live a, eat a diet that the whole world could eat and be healthy successfully. And, and, but we didn't know much about it. So we did a lot of, not me personally, but different people did a lot of researching on how to be a healthy vegan. So after a few years, we realized we had a fair amount of information on that. And so we put together our first cookbook. I think it was 1975. It was a pocket-sized book called Farm Vegetarian Cookbook. And in that, we talked about how to raise your you know, babies successfully as vegans and, and also kids, but had recipes for how to make stuff. And in those days, there was no... Uh, you know, quick food, so everything was by scratch. And that's basically what that book was like. And that book was, has been very successful. And in the early 80s, we started making tofu here and everybody just loved eating tofu. So we, Louise and a few other people, she's named Wendy now, Louise, I don't know how she ended up with Louise, but, oh, it's a middle name. I'm, I got a little help here. Uh, so she's gone back to being called Wendy. And she and her friends put together this book and we wanted to make it look all American. So we did a sunset edition type book so that, so that people would not feel like it was a foreign thing, that it's really an all American food. And, you know, we've sold hundreds of thousands of them. So wow. people did it. Yeah. What, what has been your best selling book of all time? Uh, well, we did a book with uh, Neil Bernard called Foods That Cause You to Lose Weight. I have that and book. That, yeah, well, it sold a couple million copies, I believe. And then we also did a CB radio book that probably sold a million copies. Um, we did a birth control book that sold probably close to a million copies. Then, and then well, I think Tofu Cooker is probably 500,000. Spiritual Midwifery is six, 700,000. Midwifery uh, is another thing that, go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. You go ahead. Mid, you're talking about midwifery? Right. Well, on the, the caravan, which is that uh, trip around the country speaking at the different churches, uh, we were all in our 20s, so women were pregnant. And so they started delivering their own babies. And that's how midwifery got started. And when we got here, we actually set up a midwifery clinic and thousands upon thousands of people have come here to have their babies. They came to the farm to have their babies? Yes, that's right. That's, that almost sounds like a Netflix show. <laughs> Well, it certainly could be. Yeah. I'm sure so, there's stories. So this farm you live on, is it like is it like a hippie commune? Is it like a vegan Mecca that we could go to? Or what's it like? <laughs> well, we have about 1,800 acres, which is three square miles. So we're a town. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, we have hippie trappings or leanings, but, you know, there's people in their 30s and like that that live here, and they're not necessarily hippies although they're alternative-minded. And not everybody here is a vegan either. There's no law that says you have to be a vegan. But there should be. 
<laughs> there should be. I'm in agreement with that. <laughs> and I do think as, as we um, come out of this darkness that this country is going through now, that climate change will become uh, subject number one. And so that means more younger people will realize they have to be vegans in order to survive. That would be amazing. So you have a lot of vegan authors that are my friends and you've published their mm -hmm. books. And we are, you know, Ramses Bravo, mm -hmm. Zell Allen, Brenda Davis, we could go on and on. Some that I haven't met yet that will be on the show, like Karen Calabrese. Of all the vegan oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I, it's just that right now, I don't have any openings till February, but anybody you send me out, and they don't, they don't have to be vegan to be on the show. They just can't be promoting something that's not, because not everybody is vegan. Right. Well, Karen's just, a vegan. Right. They just, oh, that, no, of course. Oh, she's beautiful. She's amazing I, from what I see about her. But what of those books have been the bestsellers? Has it been, how's, how's Pleasure Trap doing, by the way, especially since we did the audio? <laughs> well, the audio has been a hit. Um, I don't know how many we've sold, but thousands of them. I would say the book, I lose track, but 75, 85,000 we've sold. Is that good? I, I don't know what numbers mean. So I, I, is that pretty good yes. for a vegan book? Well, you know, really most books don't go beyond the first printing. So most books sell less than a couple thousand. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've, sold, I've sold a lot more than that, thank goodness. Yes, you have. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, for yeah. good reason. Yeah. So do you, do you like, because I noticed that, that a lot of authors work with you exclusively. And then I see other authors in the, in the, in the plant-based vegan space have some with you and some with others. So that's okay by you. You, right. don't, ha you don't, you don't have to be exclusive to you if they, if they want to work with you. Right. Correct. Yes, that's right. Well, we want, we want people to have a good working experience with us. So they should, um, they should only be working with us if they're, if they're, in agreement with what's going on. And, would, and some people published books before and then came to us too, because they didn't have great experiences. How has things like Amazon affected your business, either positively or negatively? Well, um, in the very beginning, it was mostly positive because they sold all our books and, and bookstores you know, maybe they've got 5,000, 10,000 titles in this store and there's, you know, 2 million books out there. So it was hard to get back in the day um, vegan books on store shelves. Well, now all of a sudden, all our books were on Amazon and it helped, it helped the breadth of our, our books sell better. Um, but I would say since then, they've made the book selling business a lot harder in that they have forced a lot of people to stop selling books because they sell so many and they sell them so cheap that people will go into a store, take a picture of the book and then go buy it on Amazon. And every store manager I know tells me that story. Oh boy, how, how can we help that not happen? <laughs> um, well, I think just people understanding that the importance of taking care of the brick and mortar stores that are in their town. Yeah, that was hard initially with COVID because they weren't open for months. Correct. And still lots aren't. But and and that has helped Amazon quite a bit. Amazon, I'm sure it's had the best year they've ever had. 
That is crazy. Oh, I just got to say hi. We've got a rock star and a previous guest on Chef AJ Live. Rabbi Shmuley is watching. Thank you so much. I love and Elizabeth <laughs> Manser. This is getting to be just a family. Linda Middlesworth, we get people that have been on the show and they actually watch the show and I really appreciate it. So I, I love your catalog though, because I didn't realize, because when I see you at the like San Francisco Veg Fest or Marshall, Texas, you generally are selling, you know, all the it's vegan books. Froze up. Oh, that's okay. I can, I can still, I can still see you. Oh, you, good. There, you're back. Yeah, that's it okay. up there for a minute. That's okay. So when I got your catalog, I you publish a lot of like what I call niche books, like things like th that sound really interesting. And I'm going to look into some of those authors, even though they're not vegan, but really interesting, like like how to save money on gas, for example, like kind of like okay. how-to books. Yes, absolutely. Well, we've been doing uh, health books um, all along, but we've got into gardening books. We, as as vegan or plant-based became mainstream, we had to look other places too to uh, publish books. And, you know, so some of our personal things that, that we enjoyed doing is gardening. And so we got into gardening. A lot of what we published are stuff that we're interested in. Well, that makes sense. And it, yeah. How do you decide like whether or not you're going to publish a book, like how, you know, I, I'll be honest, I self-published both my books. So I never even, I mean, I, I know, I know you and I like you. And if I write another book, I'd love to work with you. But how does, how do you decide what you're going to publish and how does, because I see people on that, that have great book ideas. They're maybe vegan chefs or educators. How does one start the process? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to give your phone number, but I'm going to give your website. How, how does one <laughs> go into this, uh, this conversation of like, do they need a book agent? Do they just need to be vegan? So what are you looking for if you're looking for anything and how would somebody start the process of getting a book published if they wanted to not self-publish? Right. Well, there's certainly times when we ask authors to write books for us, but, you know, people we know and, and we ask them to write stuff, but mostly we find stuff. And like we have a book on Satan coming out next March, which is an extraordinary book called Crafting Satan by a, a new author. But he, we found him on uh, the internet and he's, I forget, he studied uh, vegan cooking and then it just it was home to him so we started writing books and but self-published books and and I saw the satan book it didn't have any pictures and and like that but it was still selling fairly well so I wrote them and uh you know it, we came to an agreement and we've been putting together this book which has um just amazing ways to to use satan um, every, every kind of meat substitute you could think of, he has in the book and easy ways to make stuff. Well, so we're excited him, about the book. Why don't you send him my way and let's do a, let's do one of these with him, because that really does sound like a, a, like a useful book for people that are giving up animal products. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the book will be out in March. So that's when we'll be. Well, good, because that's about what I'm booking for. So haven't contact me now. <laughs> All right, good. Yeah. Good, Ste good. Stephanie says, was the book Diet for a Small Planet by Fl Francis Morlapay a book you ever read in the 70s? And if so, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, no, I had never read the book. Um, so I, I can't even really comment on it. Okay. I'm familiar with it, but I haven't read it. 
Right. Well, Kathy says, I have a book I would like to get published. So what is the steps for people? Well, first thing they should do is if they're going to write us, then um, they should see what we publish and see if what they're writing matches the kind of thing we do. And if that's the case, there's submission guidelines on our website. And basically, we're looking for an outline. And then we're looking for <clears throat> the kind of uh, social media things they do and how they get out their ideas. Around the turn of the century, it went from people, good chefs could uh, write a book and it would sell well. It, it turned with social, with, I think with the advent of social media in the early 2000s, um, it became a cult of personality, like a rock musician. You've got to be out on stage for your books to sell. You, have, you can no longer just be good at making recipes. You have to be good at, at getting out, too. So that's the kind of stuff we try to assess when we're talking with somebody. And we know as part of a publishing company, it's our job too to, to uh, get, pod, get our authors on podcasts and get reviews in magazines and things like that. But an author doesn't do much on their own, probably won't be successful. Not anymore, right? In the back Not in the day. Anymore. Yeah. Well, back you know, you're, day, yeah. well, Anna, who works for you, is doing a great job because I swear she writes me every day with a because I, I really do have a lot of your authors coming up, doctors and things. Right. And so she's always like, "How about this? How about this?" So that's that's great. So is there ever, you know, I I hate to say this because I'm on social media, but I don't really love it. And is there a chance for anyone today to be successful with a book if they're not like Dean Arcoons, if they're not willing to play the game? Because I know that that's what publishers and even book agents are looking for, because I get contacted all the time. And I, I, I sure. just love publishing just because I just I love the control and I love all having all the money to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you could talk about why somebody might want to go with a publisher and why, I mean, because there's, I'm sure there's, there's pros and cons to both. Sure, sure, there is. Um, I think that what the author has to do is, is decide whether they're also a business person. And, and you have a setup where you have people managing, your husband, I think, is who manages the books. You, you have to that you have to stay into the details of the publishing side of the business to be successful. I mean, Sproutman was very successful on his own, although we ended up distributing his books because it was just more than he could do. But that, that's, that's basically it. If, if you're a business person and you, you understand how to get books out, then you might be able to do it. Um, you also, you and uh, Glenn have, have really decided you don't care that much about bookstores and other avenues, uh, libraries and things like that, because you pretty much have to be in Ingram and Baker and Taylor, and they're the bookstore and library distributors, the big ones. And they aren't interested in self-published authors. Yeah, I think you have to have 10 books or more to... Uh, them to even consider carrying you, carrying an author. So, it, you know, it just depends on what direction you, you have obviously found success on Amazon. I mean, huge success. It, it's wonderful to see it. 
Well, it no, wasn't me. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I wanted to go with you. I've always wanted a publisher, but you know, not the, the guy I work with. He, yeah, I don't know. He just didn't have a good experience and, and things like that, because I would have loved to have been in Costco, like my friends, Kathy Hester and Jill Nussenau, which isn't really possible with a self-published book. Right, right. Well, we've had books in Costco too, and that's not much of our focus anymore. Even even uh, Whole Foods, which used to be a great market for us, is not much of a market for us anymore because they've gone to different kind of books. They have different kind of clientele in Whole Foods nowadays too. Yeah. So I have a question. You know I love this book. I'm the voice actor on it. But what's with the cover? I don't understand this cover at all. <laughs> Please explain it to me. Well, it's a 15-year-old book, so I don't even remember that. Um, I don't know if I should be saying this, but we are, we will do a new edition in the next two or three years. Wow. That'd be great. Cause there actually, there's some new information that, that was, sure. not, that was not known when it came out. That's right. That's well, great. I've been talking with Alan in the last uh, couple of weeks about new books. And so we'll probably have a couple coming in the next two, three years. Well, I know that Al, Alan speaks very highly of you. So if, if, if he says you're a good guy, I know you are for sure. You know what I always wanted to ask you, were there ever any uh, people pitching something to you that seemed like, God, this is a great idea. And then it, you don't have to say name me the name of the book if it, or, or the person if it went through that. <laughs> it seemed like a great idea and it was like, it tanked. Well, I was told a long time ago, if you don't have any mistakes, you're going to miss the good ones because you'll be too cautious. So most of the books we publish haven't done very well, and that's true of every publisher. And it's, like, it's a variety of reasons. I like that. If you don't, if you don't make any mistakes, you're being too cautious. That's sort of like good dating advice. If you don't go out with any <laughs> bad guys, you're never going to find the good one, right? <laughs> okay, I've been married a long time, so dating's not really my world. <laughs> yeah. So, or, or conversely, was there ever something that surprised you where it's like, well, I'm going to publish it just because, and then it's like, it really surprised you that it did really well. Well, we published a book about six weeks ago called Body on Fire, which is a lifestyle book by two doctors. Oh, they're both, and they're both, get, they're both coming up. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Dr. Well, Monica Agrawal. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's taking off and, and it's really good to see. And we don't have any idea, you know, it takes six months for our whole process to be working in sync. So for what little we know so far, it's doing quite well. Once that person contacts you through the website and, and uh, does a proposal, if you decide to work with them, what is the time frame from getting th that first meeting to actually seeing their book become a reality? Well, it um, probably a year. Because there's inevitably we'll want changes and they'll want to add things. And so, it, it, and we already, we, you know, we have books that people that our editors are working on now that will come out next, you know, January, February, March, April, May, that time period. So if we signed a book up today, it would, it would not come out to next August. Or July. Right. 
What topics do you find sell the best in general and in the vegan world in particular? Well, I'm sure cookbooks. Um, again, I, I think that as long as the subject is something that that's, has a need, the book will sell well if everybody works at it. So, I mean, it's like it's like uh, Body on Fire, the lifestyle book. Uh, they're, you know, they they have. Um, they're trying to get, you know, it's, have you seen uh, Alan Goldhammer's video that 85 year old who uh, took care of himself and didn't take care of himself? Yep. Well, they're trying to show you that you can be 85 if you take care of yourself and still live in an active life. And I'll tell you, that's, that's, uh, to more of us baby boomers, that's becoming a, a reality. Yep. Yep. This is a great question from Colleen, who's watching live. Is there a best time of year to release a book? And I'm also going to add to that, did the pandemic affect some of the people? Because today, at two, I'm interviewing Marianne Nessel on a book that just came out. And I'm wondering if the pandemic has made it harder or easier for some of these books that just came out. Well, you know, it's, it's been both. Uh, book sales kind of went up because uh, people weren't going out. So they read more books or cook more food, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think I lost my train of thought there. Yeah. yeah, so is there a best time of year in general to release a book and how has the pandemic affected authors that had books come yeah. out? Because a lot of times when an author has a book out, they go on the circuit and there's been no, no place to- There is no circuit. Right. That's the harder part. And, and there's no VegFest, too. And we bring a lot of authors to VegFest because they can meet with so many people. And, and the people that they positively influence then become their salespeople. That's kind of how we look at it. And uh, so that, that's made that harder. In turn, there is times of years when it's best. Uh, we put out books generally February, March, April and then July and August. And that's because the day the book comes out, we, it takes a month or two months to get to all the different systems that need to be in place for people to buy them. If we get a book in, in our warehouse today, um, it takes three weeks before it's in all the wholesalers. It takes two, three weeks before uh, Amazon has it. Our next book, uh, which we now find out we're getting Friday is called Orcopedia. And it's a book from uh, Sea Shepherd Society about uh, orcas in captivity and how they want to uh, stop that practice. You know, she, uh, Anna asked me if I wanted to have the author on and it's not that I don't, but when it's sad, I'm afraid I'm gonna be so sad. <laughs> and I don't, I mean, I'd love to give that author an audience, but I almost wish there was somebody else that, you know what, we can do it. I'll have Robert Cheek do it. He's, he'll he'll co-host it. We'll get them on and I'll be kind of the techie. But I it's just, when I hear that abuse, you know, it's just so hard for me. Mm -hmm. Sure it is. So, so we'll get him on and I'll get my good friend, Robert Cheek to co-host that episode for me. And I'll, I'll do the tech, but mm -hmm. I won't, I won't, I won't be this Think, See, there's always a solution. 
<laughs> so with, with cookbooks, do you think- Yeah, Robert's great. Robert's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Did he publish any books with you? I know he did a lot of self-publishing. He did. We did, um, oh, I can't think of the title of the book. <laughs> That's okay. It's, uh, but it's, it was his first book. No. You don't, you don't have to answer this unless you, if you don't want to. And if you do answer it, you don't have to say the name. But has there ever been anyone that was just such a nightmare to work with, even if their books sold well, that you said, I'm not doing that again? Yes. <laughs> Second question. Do I, know, do I know the person? <laughs> you can tell me later. <laughs> no, no, I don't think you know either of them. Oh, great. There was two. That's good. We, we got all the way through production of a book. And the woman was such a, a pain to work with that we just handed it back to her and said, have a nice day. Nice, nice. Do you think that having <laughs> uh, pictures in a cookbook, it's a deal breaker? Because isn't it more expensive to have pictures in general and color pictures in particular? Yes, it is. But in today's world, um, a cookbook is, is kind of like a coffee table book. And, and people want to be entertained besides wanting good recipes so they and they also don't know what they're getting into so they want to see enough pictures that they get an idea of what is supposed to what they're what they're doing is supposed to look like but i think that it, the biggest thing is a, a cookbook is an entertainment thing and so people want attractive pictures they want lots of color I mean, we, for a long time, didn't do color cookbooks because they cost so much, but it got to the point where we just couldn't not. I mean, I think your book, um, Unprocessed, you know, full color book, getting out into stores, uh, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, all like that would sell times what you're selling yeah. now. Well, that's why I'm going to go with you on that. I don't know if I answered your email, but we're going to do it. I promise. I've just been, I've been busy a little bit. Gotta, I gotta, right. Not making excuses. I got to, people keep asking about this tape. I have a torn rotator cuff. I've had, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it happened at Christmas, but it took seven months to get the MRI because I wasn't going to doctors with the thing and now I'm <laughs> physical therapy, but can't use my right arm. So that's the story Understood. there. I did that with my left arm. Years how, ago. How, how long did, and did you have, did it heal without surgery? It did, but I used, I went to prolotherapy. Oh, the thing that Dr. Esser talks about. I'll have to ask my doctor about that. Have, did you do physical therapy as well? Um, not so much, but yeah, some, not, not, not systematic um, with somebody, but uh, prolotherapy, I, I can't really describe it, but what they do is they, 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 keep reinfecting your arm as if it just got hurt. And so your body's natural tendency to heal things gets spiked over and over again. And after two or three sessions, your body heals it. That's and my left arm is fine again. I'm going to ask about that. Thank you. So Jill says, if somebody already self-published, would you still take them on with a second edition? The answer is yes, because that's I'm going to go with Bob with the, when I do yes. the 10th anniversary yes. edition. Yes. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. because especially if it did well, because it'll next year will be the 10th anniversary of Unprocessed. So absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But but one of the right. things you're saying, my understanding is what you're looking for now whether they're vegan or not, that you weren't necessarily looking for before is they have to have some kind of presence on social media. They, 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 right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. 
because you've got to know that they're going to work as hard promoting your book as you will. See, the thing about me and Robert Cheek, I think it's what it, that's what it takes. That's what it takes. And I didn't ask you that question because I've known you long enough. Yeah. Me and Robert Cheek had the right personalities to promote our self-published books, mm -hmm. but some people are, yep. they're not going to, you know, yes. put themselves out there. Yes. And speaking of putting yourself out there, how do you think that like, having things like blogs and YouTube channels where, you know, honestly, you can get recipes just by going to YouTube and see it, what it looks like and print out the recipe and the same thing with blogs. Do you think that has affected book publishing at all, at least in the, in the cookbook area? Well, yes. And I think, but again, I go back to that. Uh, the cookbook is now um, an experience. And so they need the picture. They need to, to, it's entertainment value now as well as, you know, people trying to become vegans and everything, but it's still entertainment. And so you've got to give people something that they will enjoy looking at besides getting value out of the recipes. Got it. Uh, a voracious vegan wants to know, can they, can people buy your books directly on the book publishing company website? Absolutely. Well, see, that would help people out then because a lot of people just don't like Amazon. So sure um, enough. That's uh, well, so people do people order from our website almost every day. Well, that's nice here. Let me put the link up again and let's, uh, that would be great. You guys, thanks for asking that question. So here's a question that I don't understand, but maybe you will. So let me read it. It's from Jesse regarding getting books into libraries. Do Baker and Taylor and Ingram work with Bob's company or are they obstructive? I don't know what any of those things she mentioned are. Well, Baker and Taylor and Ingram are the two bookstore and library distributors. And we work um, closely with both of them. Uh, we advertise with through them because they get to librarians and they get to bookstores. Um, we have friends at Ingram's because they're based in Nashville. Wow. So how do you think ebooks have affected people buying books? See, I never understood it because I'm, I, I, I hate ebooks. I hate them. I can't, I just, I hate looking at my, I hate that I keep saying hate. I dislike ebooks because I, I'm old and I don't like looking at things on the computer or my phone. I like having, I like holding things in my hand or I'd rather have an audio book. So what do you think about ebooks? And people want to know, do you publish ebooks? Uh, we publish, when we publish something, we publish it as a paper book and an ebook at the same time with all our books. Um, my wife, who's similar age as me, she prefers ebooks way over paper books, whereas I, I spend enough day on a screen, enough of my day on the screen that I would rather have a paper book when I'm reading. Yeah. So do you, but, but the pleasure trap isn't available as an ebook, is it? Oh yeah, sure. I did so not know that. It sells quite well as an ebook. I, and I'm not just saying this to toot my own horn because I'm the, I'm the voice actor, but I didn't really understand the book until I got the audio because I, for me, like I'm more of an audio learner than a visual learner. Sure. Well, I like sure. audio books. I like them because it, I can be on my spin bike. I can be walking my dog, uh, driving in the car. Do you in general publish audio books and how do you feel audio books have affected actual book sales? Well, I think audio books is really a fast up and coming part of the market. And we are now doing more audiobooks, but the book, the book has to be successful for us to do an audiobook of it. 
because it's, um, it's an expensive process to do. And so you have to, you know, we, we have to look at the economics of it. So it's, it's really like uh, becoming vegan comprehensive is an audio book. And that was quite a task, but it sells well. Did, did, so, and, did Brenda do the voice on that? No, uh, I don't know who did the voice on well, you, that. Well, you got a great deal on the pleasure trap, though. So. We, we got a <laughs> phenomenal deal on that. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> like. I charge you a goose egg, but I really we had I, for me, it was more about the honor of being asked and because of such affection for Dr. Goldhammer, Dr. Lyle, and, and also regard for you because, you you know, it's funny how sometimes like you can, um, there's a saying about you can, you can, I'm trying to remember, like, it's by this author, you can judge the quality of a person, how he treats somebody when nobody's looking kind of thing. Yeah, and, that's and, true. And, um, <laughs> and so you know, cause there are people like there could be nice to you when other people are around and you, you were, I, I not, cause I don't forget kindnesses, even the smallest ones. And I remember we were somewhere and I don't remember where, because there was lots of vegan festivals that, that you had the They're table. Both in two. That's yeah. Right. And so I can't, we could have been San Francisco, but it, it could have been Marshall tech. I don't know. There could have been anywhere. And people were buying my book unprocessed and they wanted to do, do a credit card. And I still don't take credit cards in person. And you ran a few of them for me. And like, you didn't have to do that. You know, it's an inconvenience, but like, that was so nice. And I remembered that. And then when I came, you know, that's why I didn't charge it. Cause you were nice. See, there's a lot to be said for being nice, right? That's right. <laughs> and that's what's missing from the world right now, unfortunately. So hopefully that will right. change. Exactly. Yes. Let's see. So somebody has asked, uh, da, 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 it moved too fast. Um, something about audio. Okay. Uh, yes, you do need to get the audio to Pleasure Trap, uh, in my opinion, if you want to understand the book. Mm -hmm. It was so funny, Bob. I didn't tell you this, but because I didn't even have your phone number back then. But as hard as it was to read the book, when you're trying to do the the narration, and because we had a we had a real director from Hollywood directing it, right. Vanessa Gilbert, and they're like words that like we literally can't pronounce, right? And then there's this website where the, it it tells you how to pronounce words, but these words were so these guys are so smart, like we we were always calling either Doug or Alan. It's like what is this word? How do you pronounce it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you need to put do is a pleasure trap for dummies. That's what I told Dr. Goldhammer. That's the book we need is pleasure trap for dummies. Okay, let's see if there was yeah. Anyway, it's interesting how how things have changed. You know, you want you wonder that in this day and age, there's businesses that put out other businesses either intentionally or unintentionally. Like you know, Uber and right. Lyft has compromised, you know, taxis, you know, Netflix has gotten rid of blockbusters. And you wonder if, if one day bookstores will be a thing of the past. Well, bookstores have had to change a lot in the last 30 years. Amazon has, has driven them to change. And so they also become more of a gathering place. And, and that uh, is something Amazon can't do, you know, personal contact with authors there's a, a nice bookstore in Nashville called Parnassus. And they have, not now, but in normal times, they have authors in every day. And the independent bookstore business is growing a little. In the last five, 10 years, there are more independent bookstores than there was 10 years ago. Not by a lot, but some, which I, to me is very encouraging. Very cool. So 
the thing oh this is okay well this i'm gonna say it because this is how i feel one of the reasons i didn't want to go to with a publisher is because at the point in my life i needed money and mm-hmm. you do make more money when you i mean if the, first of all if the book does well it doesn't almost matter because if, if i could sell a million copies it wouldn't matter if i was only getting a dollar a book but if you're not <laughs> at that level you do tend to make a little more money self-publishing so i, I why can't we make more money with publishers <laughs> Well, that, I, I think the first thing to understand is that the publishers generally not making a killing either. Um, you know, first off, we have to print the book. Uh, then we have to uh, get you to the different events we're taking you to. Um, you know, we have tons of expenses. The publisher's not making a killing. Now, we do very well on Brendan DeSanto's books, obviously but they're rare in this world. We did well, we do well with Alan's books too. That's great. But, but most, I, of, most, of the, most of the books we publish sell 10 to 25,000, which means nobody makes a lot of money, but we all make some money and we get some important message out. Well, that's true because your books are not fluff. You, you had a large uh, chap, you have a lot of Native American stuff in your catalog that I found very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that, it's interesting because um, this came about because of our midwifery program. Some uh, Mohawk women who were midwives wanted to come down to us and, and um, learn more techniques and different kinds of things in, in birthing. And their husbands came down with them and the husbands were just hanging around while they were learning. And it came out that they had a book called Basic Call to Consciousness, uh, which they would raise money and print some and, and sell them and be out of money and have to raise money again. And we caught them at a time they were out of money. And so we took over publishing the book, which we still publish and it still sells. And basically the book is about the state of the indigenous people in the world. And the other half of the book is about, uh, it's interesting, the Six Nations, which is the Iroquois, they, um, the Six Nations in New York and Ohio, basically, they came to an agreement to live in harmony with each other 2000 years ago. And, And some of the facets of what they agreed to have been used to create our documents for the U.S. too. So this book talks about all that stuff. And but from there, we just, you know, one thing leads to another. And now we're publishing a lot of uh, kids books, Native kids books, because Native kids have the worst more native kids fail to learn how to read is what I'm trying to say. And, and if you don't know how to read, your chances of having a successful life get harder and harder. So we started publishing books um, that will help them learn how to read. And so you've got to publish a book that has a theme for a teenager, but a reading level of like a fourth grader or third grader because it's the kids that have fallen back that you're trying to get to before it's too late. 
So we have 20, 30 books like that too. And we also have a series of books on, on uh, native people that are doing remarkable things so that these kids get to see that there are, there are a lot of native people out there doing really incredible things and they need to know about them and everybody needs to know about them. Well, that sounds great. God, that, I'd love to, I mean, if any of the authors want to come on, that's just fascinating to me. And that's such, that's wonderful that what, you're, what you're doing. Nicole says, how much input does the author have on the cover of the book and the layout and the design and what services does the publisher provide? I'm not quite sure what she means by services, but in the uh, production process, they get a say in everything. Um, the cover, I mean, we, we work on the cover and then we send it to the author to say, this is what we're looking at doing. And, and they can say great or not great. You know, Body on Fire is a, a tip, is a real interesting one because we had a cover coming along and the authors went, no, this doesn't work. And I mean, there was more, more conversation than that, but to, to be quick with it. Um, and so we eventually went back and started again. Um, you know, it's, it's a creative process. In any creative process, you're going to be right a fair amount of times and you're going to be off base sometimes. And, and so it takes everybody's input to, to make sure you get the best possible cover. In terms of editorial, uh, it depends. I mean, most authors aren't into the level of, of, of editing, you know, where commas go and things like that. Now, if it's big picture stuff, they want something in the book that the editors feel like is misleading or boring or something, you know, takes away from the book, then they'll want to take it out and work it out with the author till that is workable. Nice. Now, does your whole family live on the farm? Yes. We, uh, we have two kids. Our son is uh, 44 and he's a lawyer in town, but he lives here and his wife runs a theater company. And, and so they live about a mile from us. And then our daughter, who's in her mid thirties, uh, she and her husband live just up the driveway from us. And she's a nurse at the area hospital. And we have four grandkids between 19 and nine. So we're pretty lucky. And they all live there. That sounds cool. It is cool. Do you guys <laughs> like eat, can, do you like, does one person cook for everybody? And can anybody come live there? Anybody can come live there. Sure, there's a process. Um, you should come and visit because inevitably you've got, or anybody has an idea of what uh, this is going to be like. And, and oftentimes someone will, their idea of utopia, they'll figure this is what it is here. No, we're really, we're two, 300 people and we have different opinions and we have different problems and we're, you know, so we have to keep working through all this stuff. And they're not so so there's not is there like a community is it like living in a retirement community is there like a it, like... <laughs> well there's a certain aspect of that because there's um, 80 people or something who are over 60 we have, but we have separate houses everybody lives in their own house 
Oh my God, Robert Cheek is on. Robert, did you know we were hey, talking Robert. about you? He says he's been to the farm many times. Robert, I was asking if uh, one of Bob's publishers, I mean, one of Bob's authors wants to come on the show, but it's a topic that it really will upset me. It's about the whales. And so I was wondering if you could cope, if you could be the host for that one and I'll run the tech, but I'm not gonna be involved. So let me know, Robert, if you can do that. What are the, you've mentioned people and they appear. It's like Beetlejuice. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to say John McDougal, John McDougal, see if he appears. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I just, I, when I turned 60, I said, that's it. I'm not traveling anymore, but gosh, I would love to see the place you're at. It sounds fascinating. Sure. And, and, and Elizabeth wants to know is, can people visit it? Absolutely. Um, the, uh, is it farm.org, Cynthia? Farm, farm, the farmcommunity.com. Okay. We'll have all the stuff about visiting. I'll, I'll, I'll find that link and I'll post it. And the, the, the person you're talking to is your wife, and she's actually one of your authors, right? Yes, she is. Now, we're closed during the pandemic. There's no visitors now. So what's it like working with your wife? Because, you know, if, you know, were, you, I mean, cause were there any disagreements about the book? And Oh, like, no, you know, no, we've never had any disagreements. <laughs> um, she hadn't written a book in a while, so I don't remember. That's funny. Well, that's, that's one way to get your book published. Just sleep with the publisher. <laughs> That's right. It works. <laughs> uh, well, Kathy said that it was rustic when she stayed there. And I just posted the link in this. It is it is close. And uh, Robert Cheek said it was awesome. Colleen says, where's the farm? I believe you said Summertown, Tennessee. Yeah, we're, we're 75 miles south, southwest of Nashville. And I've been to Nashville so many times, but I didn't know you back then. So, <laughs> so. What, this has nothing to do with publishing, but everybody seems to want to know when there's a guest on the show, what they eat. I know it's vegan. So what, what do you like to eat? What do I like? Uh, you know, I live up, I, I eat a fairly basic diet. Uh, for breakfast, I'll either have oatmeal and, and toast with almond butter. And then lunch, I'll have um, tofu salad sandwiches. And dinner, I usually have a big salad with uh, field roast hot dogs or Beyond Beef burgers, things like that. Oh, and when I travel, Thai food and Indian food is often what I go to. Well, I, I, when you travel and you have the at the table with all those books, how are you getting those books to San Francisco from Tennessee and having, I mean, you, you don't just have like a little table, it's huge. You have like every book you've ever sold. Yeah, we, we uh, a semi comes and picks them up here and drops and we go pick them up at their freight terminal in whatever city we're in. That's, that's amazing. So how many mm -hmm. new books, other than Body on Fire, which we're going to feature both the doctors, not, we're going to do them separately so you get double the exposure. Yeah. Anything right. else coming out that's... Uh, and, uh, and also, you know, what I wanted to ask you is some of your books are hardcover and some are paperback. Do, is that just a decision you make or do sometimes they come out hard first and then you switch them to paperback later? Well, in the case of Pleasure Trap, we came out with a hardback first and then switched to paperback, which is fairly traditional. We don't do many hardbacks, but we do some. Um, 
I think I lost what your question was. Oh, it, it's um, I how, how do you decide? Like, because some books, like, like, did this was this one ever hardcover? Or no, was this, it wasn't. Yeah. No. Does this one sell pretty good? Because I really like this book. It's sure. Got, yes. It's, it's oh, got yeah. great. It's, it, I, yeah. It's got great pictures. Yeah. And then it comes. All your books come with this little thing, right? Not anymore. That business oh. we closed it down about five years ago. Okay. Well, I used to order from that. I remember. <laughs> Yes, a long well, thank you. time ago. So <laughs> does your wife want to come on and, and show one of her books? And then we'll see if and maybe she'll come on and, and, and talk about one of her books or if she wants to just mention how, how many books has she done with you? She, she doesn't want to come on. Okay. Does she, if she gets mad, does she say, well, I'm going to go publish with somebody else? <laughs> we don't fight very much. That's so good. That's, that's not a problem. That's great. We have occasional disagreement, but we don't actually fight. So, you know, it's it seems like at some point everybody wants to write a book. You know, not everybody does. Or sometimes people write them, but they don't get published. What advice would you give people if it, to know if they even have a book in them and if they really want to go through? Because it's, it, you know, I don't, it's, I don't think it's very easy to write a book. That's why I've only done two. No, it's not. Yeah, that's why I've only done two. And, and there's other people that are way more prolific than me, like Robert Cheek and people like that. But it's 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 a lot of lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. That's even before mm -hmm. the editing. So mm -hmm. what advice would you give people if they were thinking about this? Well, I think the nice thing, this is uh, Create Space has really been good. And Create Space is the Amazon self-publishing uh, arm. And so they've really helped folks that, that have a good idea that maybe only a few hundred people are, are really interested in. Um, so there's that, you know, and I think self-publishing, and there's also, there's a lot of really small publishers that, that help uh, people who, whose idea isn't really mainstream, but really valuable for a certain niche of people. What's the next book that you guys have coming out? Well, Orcopedia on Friday, the uh, the Sea Shepherd Society uh, book. Okay. We just, well, yes, ma'am. If you need me to promote it, Robert, you got to answer me if you'll if you'll host that episode. We'll, we'll even though I'm not booking till February. If it's important to you, we'll get the we'll get the author on if he'll do it. That's Don't important. Do it. Imp okay. He already said he'd do it. Okay, so Robert, I just need a confirmation <laughs> and, and for you. Watson, I, you know, I had a friend that worked with yeah, him on Paul the. Watson's had quite a life. Yeah, he'll, he'll be very interesting, and and I'd love to hear about his life. I just don't. I can't, animal abuse is so hard. Look, that's why I became vegan because I, I, you know, it's not that I'm putting my head in the sand either. It's just I'm very, very sensitive to those things and, and visual images and things that I hear. So, let's see. Robert, well, I think the book does a pretty good job of not uh, being too in your face. Good. Nice. Robert <laughs> says, my vegan bodybuilding book that Bob published at the book publishing company has now sold 20,000 copies, and I'm grateful to Bob and his team. <laughs> well, we're good friends with Robert. Yeah, everybody is. Do you know, hugs, you know, there's nobody that doesn't... You know, there's a there's a commercial. Nobody doesn't like Sara Lee. Nobody does. Nobody doesn't like Robert Cheek, and that's so true. <laughs> yep, it's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. So, and this this doesn't. Uh, what 
what is your favorite book? And it doesn't have to be one you published. You know, people have favorite books from childhood. Like mine is, I, you might, I don't know if you've ever heard of my favorite book growing up and probably even now it's called All Creatures Great and Small by James Harriet. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, I know the book. And then my other favorite book is The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. So yes. it doesn't have to, yeah. I mean, it could be a book you published, but do you have a favorite book? Or maybe you just don't read because that's your <laughs> What you do no, already. no, no. I'm, I'm always reading a book. Um, I'm currently reading a Bill Bryson book on the body, which is great. It's, it's kind of a uh, non-technical book about all the systems in the body. Is there, so is there a book that you just wish you could have published like Harry Potter and then you could have been done with it? <laughs> um, no. Um, you know, we did, we were talking a little with um, T. Colin Campbell, uh, but it was, he was already about to sign with uh, those folks in Dallas when Brenda said he should start talking to us. So we not got very, we didn't get very far into the process, but uh, that had been a nice book to publish. Um, we were talking with um, John Robbins uh, around the time that, that he was doing Diet for New America, but he decided on this other publisher, which is fine. I'm still friends with John. Okay, good. That's nice. But you really are the only, like, really vegan publisher, right? Not that, I mean, not that it's like, like that you're personally vegan and many of your books are vegan. There's a few more nowadays. Uh, there's a, at least when I talked to the guy years ago, Experiment, I think it's called, Experiment Publishing in New York City. Uh, I believe they're vegans. Cool. And then, and then what's uh, Martin, uh, Martin Rowe? They do some cookbooks. They do more Lantern Press. Um, they do vegan stuff. And Martin's a great guy. Nice. Well, what do you want, what do you want your legacy to be? that I helped move society in a positive direction. Well, I can tell you, you already did that. <laughs> Starting in 1969 well, when you became vegetarian. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Is your family all, I know, I know that not everybody that lives at the farm is vegan, but is your family? Um, our, our son and his wife are pretty close to vegans. And but our and our daughter's probably mostly a vegetarian, but her husband's not. Uh, although they eat, you know, vegetarian stuff too. Uh, one of my enjoyable things was uh, I became a, a vegetarian in '69. Of course, my parents were freaking. And uh, <clears throat> by the 1990s, when I'd go out with to dinner with them, they'd order vegetarian just just cuts. And they had realized by that point that uh, it was a healthy diet. Nice. So that, that was, you know, I appreciated that. As someone who loves books, do you ever watch television? Oh, yeah. I'm a sports junkie. Cool. <laughs> so baseball, basketball, football, I love them all. Nice. Good. <laughs> do, do you watch anything on Netflix? And what, what, what genre do you like? I uh, no. <laughs> I watch occasional movies. Mostly, uh, Cynthia gets me to watch them. Um, I'm trying to think. 
Yeah, news and sports. Which are the two things that I have never watched in my life. I'm proud to say I've never seen any sports on television or in person, and I've never watched Mm -hmm. the news. So we would not be Mm -hmm. very good for viewing together. (laughs) (laughs) That's why you have two TVs. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's just fun. It's been fun talking to you. I've never really. Yeah. So please, you know, keep sending authors your way. Robert already said he'd host the episode with Paul so that I wouldn't have to to the nitty gritty. And uh, thank you so much. And if Cynthia wants to come on and talk about one of her books, we'd love to have her. And thanks all of you guys for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. I do hope you'll come back at 2 p.m. today in two hours when this book that just came out by the superstar in food politics, Marion Nessel, will be a guest. Thanks so much, Bob. It was great talking to you. Thank you.